We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. All right, everybody, we are back. We have a very special guest. We have Mark Titus, former Buckeye, author of Don't Put Me In, Coach, and host of one of the most entertaining basketball podcasts around. Titus and Tate. Mark, what's going on? I, I'm, I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, this is uh, the, the, having some ties back to any anytime I can talk about Indiana basketball in any way, shape or form. I get excited. So uh, it's excited to it's exciting to talk to you guys. And I appreciate you making some time. Anytime. You know, I thought the Indiana vibes right over there might get you to say, you know what, I'll come on the show. So it sounds yeah. like it worked. But also, you know, I want to start from the beginning. I got to give you credit. Years ago when I was in college, in a time where I hadn't read a book outside of a school book in years, I came across your book, Don't Put Me In Coach. Found it quite hilarious and entertaining. You know, I was always someone where it's really hard to uh, read about something that I wasn't interested in. So I thought I'd try a sports book. Worked out perfectly. Everybody check it out. But starting from the beginning, you grew up in Indiana. Same yeah. high school as Gordon Hayward. A uh, yes. few, few years apart, but I believe Two years. You- Two years? Two years apart. Yeah, I taught him everything he knows, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was going to say, I think you guys overlapped in terms of basketball, but I got to start. Were you a Pacer fan growing up? 
Uh, so to, to the first part, Gordon and I did play. Uh, we, we we spent two years in, in high school together. Um, so yeah, I, Gordon, I I I'm, I'm being dead serious. Uh, I I taught the man everything he knows, and he owes me a lot of money because of it. I feel like I'm I'm entitled to some percentage of his career earnings. But, um, I would say I did not grow up an Indiana Pacers fan, but I grew up with an appreciation, and and I think this has become true as I've gotten older with uh. I'm very proud of where I'm from. I'm very proud of the idea of Indiana being the premier basketball destination and that any basketball that takes place in the state of Indiana is a better basketball than you can find anywhere else. Um, so as I've gotten older, I've actually become more of a Pacers fan. As I've moved away from Indiana and not lived in Indiana, uh, I've been more drawn to the Indiana Pacers. But if I'm being completely honest, and and I, I like to be transparent and open and honest with my listeners, so I'm going to do the same here. Uh, I I did not like Reggie Miller. I grew up uh, at a time I I was I was the 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 ugly duckling in my school. I was the one guy that like would watch Reggie Miller, and he drove me absolutely insane. He flopped too much. He complained too much. He lost to Michael Jordan every single time in the playoffs, but would like make it seem like he didn't lose somehow with how it was framed. The, the man drew, drove me up a wall, and uh, I, I, I used to get so mad watching Reggie Miller play. But then, like, by the time the 2000 – like, by the time I got to high school, like, the, the, the 2005 team, certainly, by the time, you know, the the, Mel, the Malice in the Palace, like, that era of India. Like, I know, I know Reggie was still on the team, but, you know, it was, like, his later years. I started slowly, like, getting into the Pacers because I was like, these guys are fun. They're, uh, <laughs> they'll fight the fans. That's fun, obviously. But, like, our test was a ton of fun. Jermaine O'Neal was fun. Um, oh yeah. So I, I I started like thinking like maybe I maybe there's a word I could like the Pacers. The Paul George era got me back in where I, I really talked myself into like the 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 Pacers could beat the Heat. Then I started feeling like Reggie versus Jordan all over again, where I was like, oh, they're never actually going to get over the hump. They're just here to be the foil. To they're they're just here to be like the the final boss in the Eastern Conference for the actual <laughs> best team, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying I did not necessarily grow up a Pacers fan. I'm not going to pretend like I did, but uh, I, I have an appreciation for the Pacers. I If I do have an NBA team, it is the Indiana Pacers. We'll take um, it. So that, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's definitely interesting. I don't think I've heard anybody say that they love the Pacers and hate Reggie Miller to a certain degree. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> you're a rare breed, like we talked about before we started recording here with Fachi being a rare breed. So it's very interesting. But um, I will ask this because you said you really got into those 2005 teams and then watching them play the Heat in the early 2010s. Is there a favorite Pacer that you've ever rooted for, or is it just like you just like the team in general? Um. I mean, like, uh, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm going through like the role, like, like Jalen Rose is one that, that that comes to mind. Like he was, he was so much fun to watch. Um, I, I, I really like, like Paul George before the, like, I guess Oladipo is kind of an answer. Like it's, it's so hard. Cause like all these guys, I feel like, uh, you know, now we're not exactly huge fans of them or like how, <laughs> how it ended, True. but like, I'm thinking back on like, when, when was I watching the Pacers and I was most excited and I felt like the, the best things. I mean, like, I, 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 I honestly, it was probably like when, when Oladipo ca uh, came to the Pacers and, and things were rolling there for a second and it was, Fun watching him. God, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> let me make something else. I don't know. Uh, Austin Crozier and Jeff Foster, like that era was fun. Can't like go wrong two, with them. Those, uh, those two dudes. by the fans. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's there's a Sam Perkins, old Sam Perkins. Like that was, 
dude, yep. dude what, a, what an era that was. That was a ton of fun. Like there, there's <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of how my Pacers fandom worked is like, I just kind of like pot, like, you know, like, like a lot of people in the state of India and I loved high school basketball and college basketball more than pro basketball, but uh, I love basketball, man. And so I, I would go to Pacers games if I got my hands on some tickets and, you kind of like don't pay attention to the final score as much as you pay attention to like the guys that grab your attention, that, 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 that like command your attention, I guess. And uh, Ron Artest was one of those guys. Jeff Foster, I did love. The Davis brothers that weren't actually brothers. Love those guys on those 90s teams. Uh, I don't know. There, there, there are a ton of guys I love. I guess if I had to pick one, I'd say Ron Artest, though, as I'm thinking through them all. Ron Artest and- is probably my favorite. He was, he was awesome. I, I love watching Ron Artest play basketball for the Pacers. In front of the show, we were able to have him on, and, uh, you know, it was a great experience. But you mentioned that you love basketball in general. Well, this draft, I'm not entirely sure what to make out of it from a star Mm -hmm. perspective. Who do you envision as perhaps maybe the best player in this draft when it's all said and done? Yeah, that's the, uh, the the interesting part about the draft that you're good for me at the top. Certainly, it's a, there's a lot of ceiling versus basement mm-hmm. type discussions. You know, like there's not there's not any one guy that I look at and and point to and say like that guy looks like an NBA player. He's a star. Like right this second, I think the one. So like, it seems to be a four man race for the number one pick, and I, I think it might be less than that. But uh, there there are four that I've I've heard talked about, and I uh, you know not to be condescending here i'm sure you guys know the four but Jaden ivy jabari smith paolo bancaro and chet holmgren like those are those are the four guys so chet to me is the the biggest upside in the sense that he is a freak the likes of which i've never seen in my life um i think people that just kind of pop in and watch a few uh you know a few gonzaga games this year maybe you make a comparison to Kevin Durant just because he's really skinny. He's not Kevin Durant, um, good or bad or otherwise. He doesn't play like Kevin Durant. He's not trying to do what Kevin Durant does. Uh, the guy is, is is unlike anything I've ever seen, and that's good and bad. Like I said, like he's he, he's a little passive at times. You're not really sure what to make of his frame. Um, you're not really sure how well he's going to match up defensively with some of these NBA guys. But at the same time, his instincts are unbelievable defensively, and he's so long. Uh, he's got a smooth stroke. He he's a guy that like I I think Chet Holmgren for me is uh, I, and I don't think this is particularly controversial to say. I think he has by far the highest ceiling. Like if, if the best case version of Chet Holmgren will be much better than the best case version of any other player in this draft. It's just a matter of whether you think he's ever going to get to that level. You know, like that's where the calculus starts coming in on this stuff. Uh, Paolo is a guy that I wasn't in love with to be honest before the NCAA tournament. Um. Had a great tournament. Had an unbelievable tournament. Ochai Baji wins most outstanding player. Kansas wins the national championship. And yet Paolo Bancaro didn't – and, and, and Baji's going to be a lottery pick. And yet Bancaro is the, the guy that, like, improved his stock the most, which is kind of staggering when you think about it that way, that, like, Baji wins most outstanding player. But Bancaro, um, just the, the, the command he has over the game uh, in the tournament especially was, was impressive. I wasn't super high on him coming into the tournament, though, because – he wasn't always shooting particularly well. He would he would he would throw up a lot of stupid jump shots that wouldn't go down, but they look great if you didn't like see the final result. <laughs> you know, he's got like a decent looking stroke, and he's six ten and can rise up over people. He played a lot of bully ball at Duke too, which like he scored a ton of points and grabbed a lot of rebounds, but a lot of it was just like putting his head down and being bigger than everybody. Um, so that worried me a little bit. Jabari Smith is like a six ten Clay Thompson. Um, but he, I, I'm not sure he can dribble. I'm not sure he can create for other uh, for his teammates. But he's an incredible defender. So like you start like getting crazy about that one, and that brings me to the guy that I think 
I, I'm slowly talking myself into should go number one. And if the Pacers get him, like I don't need to explain to Pacers fans, he, he, he's down the road in West Lafayette and they, they've watched him play plenty. And maybe some Pacers fans are like, keep this man away from us. I, I watched him play too much and I've seen him at his worst. But Jay Nivey is um, is a guy who is – when when you're watching him play, he does not belong on a college basketball court all season. That's all, that's the, the, the thought I kept having. Um, when, when he would screw up, when he would make great plays, whatever it was, I'm just like, why is this man out here? He is so much more athletic than every he's playing a different it it felt like when I was watching him I'm watching like his brain just kind of like processing the game thinking like why am I on the same court as some of these these dudes that I have to share this court with and he would almost get frustrated with it I think Jaden Ivey you give him space to operate you put the ball in his hands which like these other three guys I'm talking about aren't maybe Ben Carroll will have the ball in his hands a lot but I'm not really sure like he's certainly not going to have him in his hands as much as Jaden is I think Jay Nivey has a chance to be like something really, really, really special. And, and I'm slowly talking myself into him being the best because I think just the way the, 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 the way that basketball has evolved through the years, the guy who's going to uh, create stuff for everybody else is the guy that becomes very valuable. And, and Jay Nivey seems like that guy. So I don't know. I, I, I touched on a lot. I, I, I basically gave you four answers, but I think ultimately gun to my head, um, Jaden Ivey is the, the guy that, that has my attention the most. And it might just be because I've seen him the most, to be honest with you. Like I've, I've watched more of him than the other three. No, I think a lot of Pacer fans ears are perking up hearing that because that's all we've gotten all year long is, Oh, you know, we got a tank for Ivy. This is the guy that people want. And of course, Paulo and, and Jabari have also been in that category. There's a handful of people that are interested in Chet, but I would say the majority are afraid of another white guy, another tall white guy in yeah, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, people were kind of stereotyped with that, but uh, fans are worried about that. I want to stay in the Big Ten a little bit, obviously, look down past the top four. Keegan Murray is right there outside of the top four. Had an incredible year this year, yeah. and this is a, a player that really I was hoping to make a deep uh, tournament run. Obviously, they got bounced in the first round by Richmond, and just watching him play all year long, like – what he did at Iowa was, was was fantastic. So can you talk to me about Keegan Murray and maybe just kind of explain the uh, the ups and downs with his overall game? Yeah, he's uh, he's steady. He's he's consistent. He's um, I, I I guess like like Iowa was you wouldn't believe it because they 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 lost in the first round and um, it's it it you're you're. It, it, it's it's a fool's errand to try to explain like how and why these NCAA tournament upsets happen. Um, but Iowa was like Richmond was a terrible matchup. Richmond's point guard Gilliard being like a, a super experienced guy, and and Iowa's guards were kind of the uh, the weak link for that team. And uh, it, it was a horrific matchup for Iowa in the first round ultimately. And then they went like what like five for twenty six from the three point line did not help matters at all. So I wouldn't put a ton of stock. Like if you're if you're a Pacers fan, and you didn't watch a ton of Keegan Murray, and you just all you and the Pacers end up drafting him. Um, I wouldn't put a ton of stock in and his team getting upset as like a red flag for Keegan Murray because the guy was all season long just had like the, there was an, an inevitability about him that you knew every single night he was going to to find a way to to score fifteen to twenty five points a game. He does it at all three levels. He's he's so much bigger than you realize too, because like he'll step out and hit shots and 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 make plays off the bounce, and you kind of trick yourself into thinking he's six five or something. And then he'll get down low and and, and make a post move and, and grab an offensive rebound and dunk on someone. You're like this man is is like a legit six eight six nine. Um, great defensive instincts, uh, especially on the inside. Um, I, I he, he's he's a complete package player to me. I I think like. 
the 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 downside if there is one i guess is that he's he's maybe i i see him as more of like a finished product i know he's only a sophomore so it's not like he's a fifth year senior coming into the to the league or anything but i i'm not really sure where his game expands from where it's at now he doesn't strike me as a guy that's like going to 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 you know like a chet holmgren type where you're like man the the sky's the limit on what this guy could become um but i don't think he needs it but part of that is like he's he's so good right now that i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know how you get much better than what he is uh already you know yeah, if the Pacers fall to six or seven, I really love Murray over there. But when you touched on Jaden Ivey, I mean, that's really who I've kind of been set on if the Pacers can pick in that four to five range if he's there. Yeah. But one player that we just don't know enough about, I like to call him the mystery box, Shaden Sharp, just declared for the draft yeah. earlier today. Hadn't, hadn't played a single second of college basketball at Kentucky, yet now we're talking about him being a top 10 pick. About a year ago, wasn't even really a top 100 prospect, but now here we are. Is he being overrated or potentially is there a star here in the making? That's a great question. I, I have no idea. <laughs> why? I don't that's think a, any of us do. That's what makes it so fascinating is the guy is uh, – the, the, the thing with Shaden Sharp is – it, the, the PR machine is hard at work uh, trying to, to convince you one way or another of how good this guy is. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to your listeners and pretend like I know much about him. You know, like I, I, I watch a ton really of college does. basketball. He didn't play any college basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I, I didn't, I did not watch this man play. Uh, all I got is like John Calipari clippings and press conferences and tweets from Kentucky reporters and stuff like that, you know, and then like you can go to YouTube and look at his, his high school highlights. And that's about all you have to go off of, uh, which in some way is like is kind of nice, I guess, because it, it, it harkens back to like the, the 90s when uh, you didn't know a ton about these prospects. And you just kind of like, you know, you only saw little snippets of them here and there. And you had to argue with your friends based on that. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm that's, that's all I can say is we don't know. And I think that's you're exactly right. That's what makes it so fascinating. Yeah, now he's somebody that I'm really intrigued by, and your friend Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer has uh, compared him to shades of Paul George, Tall, Bradley Beal, and Jalen Green. So I think if he reaches any of those ceilings, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good draft pick. <laughs> but uh, you know, another guy that I I was really intrigued by this year um, helped Arizona get out to a great record, and that's Benedict Matherin. Uh, what do you like about his game, and, and what do you think are some holes in his game as well? Uh, he is he is uh, very very smooth. That's what I'd say about his game. Is uh, he he benefited immensely from the coaching change in Arizona, having a guy like Tommy Lloyd, who's a Mark Few disciple, and um, ru- runs just more fluid offense and more. Uh, he he empowers his players more than than Sean Miller does, uh, in the sense that like Sean Miller is just an old school like rigid type college basketball coach that that draws things up and and you you can give sean miller any roster and he's going to run the same stuff with with no matter what his roster says you know um and tommy lloyd is more of a guy that's like let's let's do the work and practice and then when the games get here just trust your instincts and go get buckets for me and matherin flourished under that sort of mindset he was he was just so smooth and so confident and uh, same sort of thing I was saying with Keegan Murray earlier that like you might look at it at, at kind of how it ended with Matherin and uh, Arizona was was a team that I thought was good enough to I thought Arizona was the best team all season honestly in college basketball they were um, if you watch them consistently I mean the way they, they beat teams and and uh, the way they played together they were they were so good and ultimately it came up short in the NCAA tournament but uh, Matherin was 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 the rock for them Matherin was he, he is not a guy who uh 
you know, is, is, uh, is high on draft boards because of his potential. Like he, he was that good for Arizona all season. And he was the reason that Arizona was as good as they were. So, um, I don't know, but Matherin, Matherin to me is, uh, I, I, I think he's right up there with, with the Ivy types. Like, I mean, he, he's got certain, he's got certain like plays. I mean, the TCU game with the, the, the dunk, it was it in overtime or towards the end of the second half. Yeah. He's got, he, he, he had like one play a game like that, where again, you just kind of are like, Oh my God, this guy six, seven can jump out of the gym on top of like having the, the smooth stroke and all he can be a little inconsistent. He can be, um, I'm not sure when, when he's creating, like, I, I don't know his, his, potential to create for others like if that's something that's innate in him quite yet but um as far as the athleticism the body type and the uh the, the skill set there's there's a lot to like there for sure yeah the Pacers uh, Pacer fans are really bummed that we're not getting Cleveland's first round pick this year which is right around 16 overall but uh, the Pacers do still have the 31st overall pick, so you never know. Maybe they'll trade up. Maybe they'll just keep it. But is there maybe a sleeper or two that you have in this draft that people are not really talking about, but you could see them in maybe mm. that middle to late first round? Mm. Middle to late first round. That's a great question. I'm trying to think of, like, all the guys that have been uh, – um, the guys that have – the guys that are declaring, the guys that uh, the, the guys that are coming back. I mean uh, – I don't know. Can I, am I allowed to say EJ Liddell? Can I, can I stump yeah. for my, my Buckeye brethren? You can do it. <laughs> am I allowed to do that? You can I mean, do I it. feel like the, the guys I'm getting most excited about here are big 10 players, but um, no, EJ Liddell is a guy that, that, that I, I really, really hope goes first round. And even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter, but uh, cause, cause he's going to find a way to stick on an NBA team for as long as he wants to. Uh, EJ Liddell is the, 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 the knocks on EJ. The, the reason you would not believe in EJ Liddell is, is his size. He's, he's basically like a six, seven power. Like I, he's like probably a power forward. I would say maybe plays the four. I don't know what our positions in this era of basketball anyway, but um, he's ideally two or three inches taller than what he actually is. But the man is, is, is an absolute workhorse worked his ass off all summer um, came back so much better than he was last year. And he was very good last year, but uh, this year for Ohio state, EJ Liddell should have been a first team all American, um, which isn't to say that like the guys that made the, the, the all American team didn't belong, but like EJ was, well, there, there was a moment in time in this college basketball season where it looked like he was going to be win national player of the year. And then he never really got that much worse from that spot that he was at. He is he he can he can shoot the basketball. He 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 sees the floor well. He somehow like over the offseason turned into Akeem Olajuwon and is like just Dikembe Mutombo and is just like blocking every single shot. I don't know how this happened, but like he became like a great shot blocker and um it just speaks to like his defensive instincts because he's not a guy that can jump out of the gym per se and he certainly isn't a guy that's 7 foot tall or anything, but he was averaging like two or three blocks a game I want to say this year for Ohio State. Um he he is a guy though that like like knowing EJ and 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 watching him in his career at Ohio State his, his three years there. He he is going to do whatever is asked of him. He he is he is going to be a fan favorite wherever he ends up in the NBA. He is he he's just he's going to make it work. He's just one of those types. He's one of he's one of those success stories that comes out of college basketball where where us college basketball types point to him and say that is the reason you stay in school because if you stay in school and and you buy in and yada 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 a bunch of old man stuff 
Like you could become an EJ Liddell type. You could become like some of these, some of these guys that play like a Jalen Brunson type for, for, for Villanova and like what he's become at the NBA level. Like that, that is EJ Liddell to me is he, he's a guy that will buy into whatever he's being told. He will find a way. And uh, man, I hope he does end up on the Pacers. That would be, that would be sick. I hope he goes in the first round, but if the Pacers get him at 31, that would be incredible. Yeah, I think he's going first round. I definitely think he's a first round talent. Super, super great year at uh, Ohio State. And uh, another guy that really has had an interesting first year of college was Patrick Baldwin Jr., a guy that was oh, man. listed as a lottery pick. And then he stays home, goes to Milwaukee with his dad as a coach, and absolutely, completely just destroys his draft stock. And so now I'm just curious do you think there's any way he can salvage this back and, and maybe become an NBA player? <laughs> or, or is he just kind of doomed now? No, I I don't I don't think he's doomed, but uh, it's it's it, that one's a bummer, man. Because I was so excited when he made the announcement. One that he wasn't going to Duke, which I think that's that got most people excited. It was just like it didn't matter where he's going. He just said I'm not going to Duke, and everyone's like, yes, because <laughs> uh, if he goes to Duke, they probably win the national title this year. Um, but but the idea of him going to play for his dad, like it was sort of a romantic story. Uh, it definitely did not work out at all. Um, I don't I don't think he's damaged goods. Uh, but, but yeah, there's, I guess, I guess like he, he, he kills it in workouts and, 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 you know, tries to wash that sneak away and, and has a great combine. I guess that's what the whole point of this process is, uh, between now and the draft is, is he can kind of show what he can do, but yeah, man, it was a bummer because I, I was excited to watch Milwaukee this year. Like I, I was like, the, the, anytime a guy like him can go to a school like that, uh, and, and I can watch like new teams and new programs and like kind of get some new blood into my, you know, college basketball viewing experience. Um, it was going to be fun. And then they were never relevant at any, at any point all season. They were terrible. Yeah. And he was hurt. I know he was hurt and it was up, in, but it was, it, it, it was, a, it was pretty much a nightmare season. I think his dad got fired by the way, which is, uh, Ooh. Oh, also he did good. actually. I know. I know. At one point, he was relieved or, or stepped out or whatever they want to call it, but it just did not work out over there. So I'm wondering if Baldwin Jr. would be a better NBA player than he was at college. But you know, the bar was set pretty low there. So we'll see. But selfishly, I got to ask that I'm a diehard West Virginia Mountaineer. Originally, Oscar Shibway, he was ours. All is well. Highest recruit we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Goes over to Kentucky. Wins National Player of the Year. Thought he was going pro. Everybody did ends up electing to return to Kentucky. Do you think that was a risky move? Because at that point, he'll have already been out of high school for four years or so. Yeah. Not really sure where he goes. Thought he would have cashed in. What do you make of that decision? Well, I think uh, it, it speaks to the name, image, likeness era we live in with college sports. Um, I, I know Shibwe is a, 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 a technically a foreigner, and is, I, I don't know his, his immigration status or whatever, but I, I, I do think there's like some – legal gray areas about like how he can exactly cash in on this but the the, the number that keeps being floated with his decision to come back to kentucky was two million dollars oh my god he's gonna find a way to like cash in on this and, and make two million next season whether that's true or not um the fact that it sounds plausible and the people that seem to be plugged in think it's a plausible uh, path for him um i i, I think that kind of says it all man and i think like it, if you're someone like him who values his experience in college and you're at a place like Kentucky where, you know, it's, I mean, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, Kentucky is, is, you know, like the experience there is, might be better than, I don't know, five, seven, 10 NBA franchises, you know, like if you, if you ask someone like you could play for Kentucky or the SDR and Fox, like what's more fun playing for the yeah. Sacramento Kings or Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> um, <Wow>. So, <laughs> 
you know, like if, if you're enjoying it, you're a big man on campus. You're a big man not only on your campus, but all over the country, literally the national player of the year. And, and you can make $2 million to come back, which is, pro- is not even probably. is definitely more than he's going to make being a no second round pick or an undrafted guy. Um, you know, why not buy an extra year? You know, like because I, I think ultimately Oscar Shibo is going to end up wherever he ends up. And if you look up in five years and Oscar Shibo is in China or something, uh, I don't think had he decided to enter the 2022 draft instead of the 23 draft, that would have made that big of a difference, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, as a college basketball guy, I selfishly love it when guys come back because uh, it makes our sport more fun. But also in Shibwe's case, like, I, I, I think his is a case of, like, I can cash in on this. I'm enjoying my experience. Uh, I'll grow up when I want to grow up, you know? Like, the, the business side of NBA basketball is brutal. Um, it is not fun. And, and being the best player in college basketball and making $2 million and – getting to live on a college campus with a bunch of kids your age. That seems very fun. That seems very fun to me. So it does. I don't know. I think that was it. I think that was all he thought into it. That was all the thought that went into it. Yeah. Well, I, speaking of coming back, Indianapolis is excited because your former coach, Thad Mata, going back mm-hmm. to Butler, uh, his old stomping grounds, and, and of course adding your, your former teammate, Greg Oden and John Diebler, uh, I noticed that uh, you were left out of the uh, the bringing of the yeah. back of, of the Butler basketball staff, but I'm ex- I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, on Thad returning to Butler. I was left out in an official capacity. I'm working unofficially for Butler, uh, <laughs> night and day. I'm I'm working my fingers to the bone uh, here in Los Angeles. I'm going. I keep going to the beach trying to find recruits. I have not found any yet, but uh, I'm going to keep going to the beach every single day in hopes that I can steer some recruits to, to Butler for Coach Mata. Uh, he is I, – I, I, I say this very sincerely, that, that Thad Mata is one of my – never mind basketball coaches, never mind, you know, what, what, what he is capable of doing uh, on a basketball court. This man is one of my favorite human beings uh, that I've ever met. He, he is um, uh, the kind of guy you, you would run through a brick wall for. He, he also – uh, I, 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 I'm glad since he's been hired, it's kind of coming to light, like how much he loves Butler, because I'm not sure like people nationally, people nationally certainly didn't know this. And I'm not sure if people in Indy even really fully understood how much this man loves his alma mater. Um, cause he was only the coach there for a year. And so I, I, I don't know if a lot of people like connected that like Thad was a Butler guy because he was coach of Butler for a year, then went to Xavier, then, then made his name at Ohio state. Um, but the second he was fired from Ohio state, I'm talking like the day of, he packed up all of his stuff, like as much stuff as he could. Like, you know, he, he eventually hired movers. But the day he gets fired, he drives home. They throw a bunch of stuff in the car and they drive to Indy. And, and his family's like, we're moving to Indianapolis. He buys a house right next to Butler's campus. You can throw a football from his backyard to Butler's campus. Um, he, is, he has lived there ever since. He he is he has had Butler season tickets ever since. He has gone to all the games. He he has been obsessed with uh, up until I guess last year when he got put on uh, Indiana staff. But um, he's he's been obsessed with Butler. His wife went to Butler. His kids went to Butler. And I just say all that to say that like the, the, the man. It, this isn't like a this isn't an instance of him getting back into college basketball uh, so he can use Butler as a, another stepping stone to go somewhere else or do like he just loves that university. He loves what it stands for. Um, and, and I could not be happier for him for that reason. Like I, I, I wanted him to coach again. Cause I think the way it ended at Ohio state left a bad taste in everyone's mouth that, that, uh, you know, all, all the Buckeyes that kind of, uh, 
we're, we're privy to, to what went down there. Um, I, I think a lot of us were really upset. We, we got less upset when coach told us he was making $3 million a year to not work. And then we were like, all right, never mind. Not, <laughs> not, a not, bad that gig. <laughs> yeah, not that sad for you anymore. Um, but yeah, for him to have another crack and for it, for it to come at a school that, that, that means the world to him. And, and I know that he's going to give everything he has to make Butler basketball, uh, great. And, and, and I know he's driven to win a national title. Cause that's basically the only thing the man hasn't done is, is he's gotten to the national championship. He hasn't won it. So, um, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's the God's honest truth. I, if Butler and Ohio state played, I think I might have to cheer for Butler because, wow. uh, I, I love Ohio state so much. I, I, I really, truly do. I, I will forever love Ohio State. There are very few things on planet Earth that I love more than Ohio State. And Thad Mata just so happens to be one of them. And uh, I, I, I can't cheer against the man. I just simply cannot do it. So uh, that, that's where I stand with it. it it's, very, it's a very confusing time in my heart and in my head, but uh, I don't know. I, if, if you're someone that doesn't follow college basketball that closely and you need a reason to follow it, and you're, you're an indie guy, please I'm begging you go to Butler games, give, give Butler basketball you got. Cause Thad Mott is doing the same and he is an awesome horse to bet on. That guy's amazing. So yeah, there no, it is. No, absolutely. And I mean, obviously uh, IU basketball has made some changes obviously last couple of years and Mike Woodson's done a good job there, but uh, I, I don't want to get into that right now because uh, we don't have a ton of time, but I do have two more questions for you. One, they're going to be kind of rapid fire. So first one I have to ask, okay. Better open hand slap, Jawan Howard or Will Smith? <laughs> oh man, great question. <laughs> Will Will had so I, I'm gonna like Will had more power, but Jawan Jawan was under duress. Like Jawan was Jawan had a you know Will had a wide open shot. Like Will hit a wide open three basically, and Jawan had a hand in his face and had to like <laughs> fight through it to get his slap off. So I'm gonna say Jawan Howard because. The circumstances were much more difficult. The higher degree of difficulty for Jawan Howard. <laughs> you are so loyal to the Big Ten, I respect it. Um, <laughs> but my last question for you, which is just a fun one here too, uh, you are part of the starting five, but if you can you know, pick your dream starting five from Ohio State alumni, who is your starting Ooh, five? Great, great question. Uh, Mike Conley, a point guard. I think uh, – so, so these guys I played with, or this is just all time? All time, Ohio State. I would just take the 1960 starting five uh, that won the national championship. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what my dad would say. If you ask my dad that, he'd be like, 76 Hoosiers, done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would still take Conley and Odin. I can't, I can't not pick those guys. So give me Conley and Odin. I think uh, Lucas and Havlicek have to find a way on there, which we, we're, we're building a very big team at this point, You know, having, having Jerry Lucas and Greg Odin out there. Uh, but I still so got Conley, Havlicek, Lucas, Odin. The, whew, that's a that's a squad. And then the next question is like, am I am I doing D'Angelo Russell? Am I doing Michael Red? Am I doing Jim Jackson? Um, I think Jim Jackson had the better college career and was the better college player. So give me, Jim, I'm definitely not doing Evan nope, Turner. That's, nope. that's one thing I know. But no love for Aaron Kraft. No love for I was for thinking Aaron the Kraft. same thing. That man was <laughs> Ohio State for quite some years. It felt like way more than it really was, though. Kraft is Kraft is coming off the bench, and he's like the guy that you see, you see Kraft checking in at the uh, you know the 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 under twelve timeout in the first half, and you you remember the clip of LeBron when Kawhi checks in? Uh, oh yeah, Kawhi's on the course, Spurs, and LeBron's course. shooting a free throw, and he turns. He's like, "Damn it, that's Aaron Kraft." Mm -hmm. Aaron Kraft is coming to check in, and everyone's like, "Oh no." <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, 
Mark, this was a lot of fun. I definitely appreciate you coming on and tell all the listeners where they can find you on social media and some of the awesome stuff that you have going on. Yeah, at Club Trillion on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to our podcast, Titus and Tate. We've shifted into off-season mode, which is fun for us because uh, if, if you think we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to college basketball, just wait till we start talking about other stuff because, boy, <laughs> it gets off the rails fast. So we have a ton of fun with that. Uh, we'll talk draft, talk NBA stuff. Um, I don't know, that, that sort of thing. Follow me on Twitter. I'm. I, it's a fun time. I like. I like mixing it up with people on Twitter. But uh, I don't know. That's about it. I have nothing else to plug. Fox Sports. I'm. I'm doing some stuff with Fox Sports. Uh, shout out to those guys. They. They sign my paychecks. Love them. So there you go. <laughs> we appreciate it. Sounds like you got a lot of great stuff going on. And uh, you know, hey, once again, uh, we appreciate you and uh, look forward to more coverage as NBA draft goes on. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joining us now, our fan of the week, it's the one and only Patrick Hennessy. Patrick, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's going good, Alex. Uh, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for a little over a couple of years now, and wow. you know it's uh, it's really awesome to be featured. And <laughs> I'm always happy to talk Pacers. I, I'm the biggest Pacers fan I know besides you two. So, uh. <laughs> well, hey, we definitely appreciate you, and especially you know the the longevity as a listener. So can't beat that. Yeah, definitely one of the OGs of setting the pace <laughs> fandom. So uh, thank you for for listening to us in our rougher days, but hopefully we've gotten better over over time. But anyway, let's get into some of this Pacers basketball uh, conversation here with you. I want to know, really, obviously, we're excited about the draft. This season didn't go as everybody maybe had it hoped it would go at the beginning of the year, but some really cool things happened during the season. We were able to pivot from being this team stuck in mediocrity we go out and make a splashy trade get Tyrese Halliburton have this draft pick it's a really exciting time to be a Pacer fan so let me just ask you this season was very tough but what was your favorite moment of the season oh I mean it has to be the Lance Stevenson game (laughs) Mm um it was just you know we were in such a lull right uh you know nothing going for us obviously we were tanking 
And then Lance comes in and he's just, um, you know, he's just a flamethrower right out of the gate scores. What was he like seven of seven immediately or uh, whatever it was. And I, and I wasn't even watching the game at the time I was doing some homework. And then I saw Twitter and I was like, Oh, wow. Like, like Lance is in, he's doing really well. So I threw the game on and it was just really happy. You know, me and my friends like to talk a lot, uh, you know, just about the NBA in general. And I was like, like, this is insane. Like, Lance Stevenson is, is Michael Jordan in disguise right now. Like, hey, it was awesome yeah, to see he him. is. He is at times. But, yeah, the Brooklyn game, you know, that you're referring to, I mean, 8 of 9 in the first quarter, 21 points. And the guy was truly just unbelievable once he put on that Pacer jersey. But, look, we went through a lot of different highs and lows on the season. Was there, like, did you have a breaking point where it was like, that's it? We got to rebuild, or, or what was it in specific that made you feel like it's just not going to be this year? To be completely honest, uh, when we made no offseason moves and just ran it back, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like you know that that team already kind of had proven what it was, right? And then mm-hmm. you know I understand, you know, you know Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon. They're good players, and we haven't really got to see them healthy. And then with the TJ Warren news, too, we knew we wouldn't have him again. And um, pretty much right from the get-go, to be honest, I was not sold on the season. Um, Luckily, you know, I was scared there was going to be another, you know, 35, you know, 30-win season, and we wouldn't even, like, get a lottery pick out of it. Um, But, you know, luckily we made that trade mid-season. Yeah, definitely. It was a it was a rough year for sure, and I think the most interesting part was just how quickly things collapsed for us. I mean, seeing Chris Duarte get it started off so hot, it was great. You're like, man, we got a really good rookie. We get Karis back. Hopefully, TJ Warren's back by December. Yeah. Man, we might be able to turn this around. And then we hear this the rumblings. Hey, they're going to break this thing up, and finally, the double bigs will be over. So let's just talk about some of these veterans. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Hield. Miles Turner, TJ Warren, a pending free agent. And of course, TJ McConnell would be thrown in this group as well, um, seeing he's still on the roster. So do you think the Pacers are going to make significant trades this offseason? And if they do, which player do you think is the most likely to be traded? So significant trade, I would say no. I kind of think we already made, you know, the big one uh, with trading Domas. Um, But honestly, if we were to trade a player, I think it would be Buddy Heald solely because I think he's the only player teams are going to really want, you know, if that makes sense. Obviously, you know, the other three guys are, you know, good players. Uh, you know, they've done the Pacers some good, but um, I think if we were to trade a player, it would be Heald. Personally, I would like to see us actually hang on to him. He's like our pretty much our best shooter. And... Um, I, I would like to see him, you know, play the full season next year. But I think if we were to uh, trade a player, it'd be Buddy Heald. Hey, second in the NBA in three-pointers made last year. Shooting will always be needed in the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, I could see Buddy having some suitors. But, you know, also guys like Brogdon, Miles will have suitors. It just depends what's the best offer on the table. But you mentioned that going into last season or, you know, this past season – there wasn't much optimism on your side because the Pacers just ran it back. Well, now yeah. they've, they've traded so many of the guys that we've rooted for in the past that 
on paper, maybe the roster isn't up to par of what it was. However, optimism for a lot of people is far different because we're going in a different direction. What's your optimism going into next season? Um, It's a lot higher than it's been in the last few years. Uh, Pretty much as high as it's been since going into that 2018 season with, uh, you know, Oladipo and Sabonis healthy. Uh, I'm really excited. And then, you know, with that top three, four pick in – in my lifetime, I think this is the highest draft odds we've ever had. Um, I'm 21, so I'm I'm trying to think back. I, no, I don't. You're, I mean, you're right. It's yeah. it's most of our lifetimes right here. It's yeah. been quite some time. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to, you know, you know, Chris Duarte was a good rookie, but you know that's kind of it. He was good. Um, I want. I'm ready to see someone who could be great. Yeah, you know, come in finally. Good point. I like it. Yeah, so I guess my last question for you here, my man Patrick, with the draft, you know, lottery just about three and a half weeks away. I mean, we're getting really close to it, believe it or not. But I'm curious, who do you like in this NBA draft for the Pacers? Maybe throw out, you know, maybe a couple guys at the top of them, maybe some guys that you like in that five to seven range. Yeah, so my favorite player in the draft uh, is probably Jabari Smith. But I think he's going to be gone by that five to seven range. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I am a huge Purdue fan. Uh, oh no, a bigger Purdue fan than I am a Pacers fan. To be entirely honest with you, mm, sorry about um, the Peacocks, man. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me started. <laughs> I I could go on my soapbox about this year's Purdue team, but uh, um, so Jaden Ivy would be exciting. Um, he's not without his flaws. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't teach that kind of athleticism. Uh, I think besides maybe Isaiah Jackson, he would immediately become the most athletic player on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching him at Purdue, just like so crafty. Uh, I worry about his, uh, uh, jump shot. You know, he can catch and shoot decently well, but he has absolutely no mid range jump shot. Uh, which is a little worrisome, but again, with that athleticism, he'd be extremely exciting. So be, the Purdue fan within me has to say Jaden Ivey. That's my guy. Well, you're not alone in that. A lot of people do want Ivy to the Pacers, and I don't blame them. I'm, I'm one of them. But, hey, there's some other prospects that are really growing on me as time goes on. But Patrick, I want to thank you for coming on, and I really appreciate you know your loyalty and you know being a longtime listener of ours. It means a lot. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. And before we let you go, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to that might be listening to this? I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Marcus. Uh, he's a Celtics fan. Okay. Uh, he's at the moment very excited about his team. <laughs> um, so, you know, best of luck to them, I guess. But, uh, you know, better luck to the Pacers next year. We'll have our day one day. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Thanks so much. And, uh, Everybody, make sure you check us out on social media at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Fachi's at underscore FACCI over on Instagram at Pacers Talk and on Facebook and TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers land a top pick, top four pick, I should say, in the NBA draft lottery, say these three words Let's go, Pacers!